Well, our pastors here are in the middle of a Sunday uh, worship series on the worship life. And uh, we have a presentation today to contribute on that. And I'm going to be doing one on, li on uh, living a lifestyle of worship or worship as a lifestyle. Let's pray here. Father God, we just welcome your word today, Lord God. Welcome this concept, Father, that we would live our lives, Father, as a worship unto you, Lord. That, Father God, this would be the priority of our days, Father, to be known as worshipers. And we thank you for this, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would communicate this to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, you have a, a sheet with your hope, a fill-in-the-blank sheet there. Here we have our memory verse on there, uh, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 8, where Jesus replied to him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I like that. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus' words are always the best words to remember. So all my days, all the days we all live, uh, in, some, in some way, somehow, uh, we're to live as worshipers of the Lord. And uh, it's a very simple definition of worship. It simply means um, giving worth to something or someone that is deserving of it. It's from the old English word, it means to give worth. And so giving worth back. Um, you know, we know the expression, the church worship service, uh, all during that gathering. We all worship corporately that we're engaged in. But does it end in this building? Is that as far as it is supposed to go? Just we gather together, sing songs, and leave, and that's the end of our worship experience? I hope not. As a believer, I am to live as a worshiper. This means this should be part of our devotional life uh, daily, to have a song on our lips, worship the Lord uh, with our voice, uh, yes, I know many of us have a voice only the Lord can love. That's true. But he does love it. I, was, I remember something I shared in the first service. I remember I was a kid, I don't know, maybe about 13 years old. It was in a Roman Catholic church. They had a mass. And uh, they, were, they were doing the hymnals, you know. And there was this guy there, middle-aged. He wasn't mentally retarded, but probably just a little bit above that. You could see he was very mentally challenged. And he sang very loud, had very devoted face when he sang, uh, and he was as off-key as it comes. And people were giving him dirty looks. And even then I realized, you know, the Lord loves this guy's voice. He was probably the really only worshiper in that whole room. You could see it on his face, the devotion he had when he worshiped. And the Lord was pleased. You could see that. Yep. That, that means everything, uh, that we have a, a heart that wants to worship Him. You know, some folks, <coughs> it doesn't have to be a song. Some folks play musical instruments, and they worship the Lord on their music in instruments privately. Hey, great, don't stop doing that. That's wonderful. Uh, but when we look at the concept of worship, worship should be something beyond our church service and the concept of even singing. Uh, our corporate worth experience is very important because it's an aspect of the believers coming together corporately to worship. But uh, where we live day by day has a greater personal requirement and importance. Did you know that you bring worship to the church? If you have no worship in your week, you have nothing to bring to a corporate worship service. We're not yeah, putting anyone down, but that's why when you look around at a worship time, people just stare there and just look at everybody. It's not an indictment, but you wonder, do they even have a worship life during the week? Yet you have some here when they come to a church worship service, you can't shut them up. They are just as exuberant as possible. That tells me they have a worship life all week long. 
and they're bringing worship to the Lord's church. We don't come here for worship, we bring it with us. And when we gather together, it should be something greater than we could possibly do individually because corporately, all our faith is joined together. So anyway, it's a real important deal here. We need to realize when it comes to being worshiping or being a worshiper, it's something that's be beyond song and a melody at a church service. Our private time with the Lord during the week plays a big part in that. So worship is then, you know, knowing who your God is, knowing that we were made to worship Him in order to love Him. Wow. Worship is our life, period. It should be our lifestyle. Uh, so when it comes to that, we need to ask the question here, living a lifestyle of worship, what does that look like? Uh, in its simplest form, it comes down to three T's. We have a slide on that, which is also on your uh, fill in the blank there. Time, talent, and treasure. We use that expression a lot at Grace and Peace because it sums up so much in so many ways. Time, talent, and treasure. This sums up what I have to bring to the Lord. And in your second fill in the blank there, this is how I live as a worshiper. This is how I live as a worshiper. From our opening scripture there in Luke chapter 4, verse 8, Jesus tells us, worship and serve. Worship and serve the Lord. Our time, our talent, our treasure is how we do both of those to worship and to serve. It says so much about us. It's of such great importance. So let's start to take a look at these briefly today. How about time here? Uh, time is everything to us. We so fail to realize that. The most important asset that we have is our time, not money. Time is far more important than money. Uh, if you were in the mall and somebody walked up to you and said, can I have $5? You probably would say no. Oh, get out of here, you bother me. Uh, or if somebody came up to you and said, can I have five minutes of your time? You might say yes. That was a big mistake. You'll get that $5 back. But you'll never get back those five minutes again. They are lost for eternity. And it's never coming back. Time is so much more valuable than money. Um, our growth in Christ is always equal to the time of devotion that we spend in His presence. Uh, your third fill in the blank there if you're doing that. How we handle our time and the decisions we make is how we worship Him in our day. Whether you're the wealthiest person in the world or the poorest person in the world, you have the same thing in common, 24 hours. How about that? The wealthiest and the poorest have the same thing in common, 24 hours. We have the same time. And what decisions are we making with that time? How in that time that I have will I be living my life as a worship unto the Lord? What decisions will I make? Will I be a worship unto the Lord? Interesting in the Old Testament, <clears throat> when you look at worship, <clears throat> it has a lot to do with what you did with your body. You stood up. You lied down on the ground. You uh, played a musical instrument. Uh, you uh, you um, brought physically your offering to the uh, tabernacle to the temple. You did something with your body. And uh, in the New Testament here, we see that theme continues. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to the Lord, which is your spiritual service of worship. How about that? You can almost do an equation, body equals worship. 
Isn't that something? This is probably one reason why the evil one wants us so much to corrupt our bodies. He wants worship, but he can't have it. So if he can have our bodies corrupted, he pulls the worship away from the Lord. And through our sinfulness in our bodies and how we abuse them, we worship him. Wow, that's heavy stuff. What we do with our bodies does mean everything. And of course, Paul is talking to this to people who live in the Roman Empire, one of the most corrupt cultures that we've ever seen of total hedonism, uh, whose bodies were used as selfishly and as sinfully as you could possibly or possibly can't possibly imagine. And uh, here Paul is saying, no, don't live like that. Live with your body as a worship unto the Lord now that you're a believer. Um, so this has everything to do with what I do with my body in the days I live in. My time, my talent, and treasure go through all my body uh, times. Uh, it's the activities of my day, the aspirations and thoughts of my heart that bring worship to him. Our time at work, we had, had a sermon on that not too long ago here on Sunday. When we are in, in our work time, we're worshiping the Lord when we work. I'm doing it unto the Lord that the Lord would receive uh, worship as I would be on the job. Uh, our time in prayer, in the Word of God, quieting ourselves down in His presence is a worship. The time we spend with our spouse, our children, our fellowship with the brethren are all worship unto the Lord. We're always in worship. That's the key there. We're always in worship. And of course, parents know, or if you haven't been taught already, uh, love with children is spelled T-I-M-E. How much time you spend with them tells them how much you love them. Telling them, if it's important, don't get me wrong, it's extremely important, it comes out of your mouth. But uh, it says far more in, what you, in the time you spent. I have one granddaughter, and my, my wife spends an immense amount of time with her. I spend very little. And guess who she likes better? the one who spends all the time with her, of course. In fact, we'll be seeing her today, and I'll probably watch a few football games, and she'll be spending time with Grandma. <laughs> Sundays are wonderful, praise God. Anyway, so yeah, time is spelled, uh, the, the love we have is spelled T-I-M-E, for sure. And so when we live out our times of worship, uh, we give our lives back to Him. We worship Him with our time. We give Him the worth of uh, of our existence back to him. That's why the Bible shows us that we live for the praise of his glory, as it says in Romans. Why would I live for the praise of his glory? Because I'm worshiping him. So how we worship depends on how much we really understand this, that um, we should want to ha uh, have uh, our lives lived in such a way that they're lived out for him. In other words, dying to our own personal self-interest and uh, have our interest devoted to Him. That's a personal thing. Nobody can tell you how much or how little or what that looks like. You have to seek that for the Lord for yourself. Um, a life as a mindset of worship is what we really are after for all of us. What's the mindset of my worship here? And of course, the greatest enemy of our time, thus the greatest enemy of our worship, is always our selfishness. Our selfishness robs the time that is meant to be lived out in a life of worship. And that's a very personal thing to seek the Lord on. No one can tell you that. So living the life of worship uh, can't be forced. Uh, we have to make constantly daily choices. And we live out our daily choices as a worshiper of the Lord or not. So this needs to be encouraged and nurtured. nurtured nourished. What I'm doing right now is to encourage you uh, to uh, live a life of worship. 
So all of us should be uh, in our own time bringing our worship to him. Worship then brings strength and purpose back to us in the rhythm of life that we live. It gives uh, energy to you spiritually. It gives energy to your life if you're a worshiper of the Lord. I don't see worshipers of the Lord as miserable people. I see them as very content people, very happy people, because it comes right back to them. All right, let's look at talent here. Next one, time, talent, and uh, treasure. When we consider the topic of talent, we're still back to what we do with our minds and our bodies, right? Because our talents are expressed through our bodies. And we've all been given talents. We need to remember that. A lot of folks find it hard to see themselves as someone who's talented. Talents don't have to be in the arts alone. Uh, Talent can be so many things. Uh, People who work hard and they enjoy working hard, that's a talent they have. My father was a very hardworking man, and he knew it, and he knew that was something special to him. It's a talent he had to do. Um, To be clever in math, to use your mind for things, is a talent. Not everybody can do that. To be a good listener, to be compassionate to other people, to serve other people because you want to, is a talent people have. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, uh, knowing people who served our local town as firemen and uh, as ambulance workers, et cetera. Uh, they didn't call them EMT then. They called them ambulance workers. Uh, they did it because they wanted to help other people. It was a talent they had in them. And we could probably name hundreds of topics that are talents that we wouldn't normally think of. We've all been given talents, or we've all been given things that are important to us that we can bless other people with. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16, a person's gift makes room for him and brings him before great people. Our talents attract others to us. Our talents promote us. Talents advance your own life. They promote you. And that's something to think about. Um, That's why it's very important as parents uh, or grandparents, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says, wives, raise your husbands in the way that they should go, so when they were old, they will not depart from it. No, it doesn't say that. That's my wife's scripture. Don't listen to that. Now, it tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. When he grows old, older, he will not abandon it. That's a key there. Uh, It's a very important key for parents. When you discover talents in your children, promote it. You discover something that they're good at or better than others, promote that. Uh, The career choices people make should be based on the talents they've already discovered. Parents are the easiest ones to spot that in their children and their grandchildren. Promote those talents. Uh, They will promote you. Uh, We should have uh, want-to jobs, not have-to jobs. Uh, so many people, you've heard the expression, uh, uh, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. It's an old expression. It's true. If you love what you're doing, it's not work. It's a joy. You never want to stop. What, what, what is retirement? I don't want to retire. I want to move on because I, I, I enjoy what I do and I live for this. Of course, you're living out your talents. That's the way it's supposed to be. Um, so as believers, now we're in Christ, so we surrender those talents that we're so good at back to the Lord. And we discover the talents that Father God has given us aren't for us. It's for us to use and bless and advance the body of Christ. Uh, There was a church down south. I have no idea where or who they were. But uh, they had a single mom Sunday once every four months, I think, or three months. Or any moms could bring their cars to the church and the men would fix them free of charge. 
church would pay for the parts. They would do all the labor because a lot of guys are, are, are grease monkeys. They're good with cars. Uh, they made sure they kept the guys away who knew, thought they knew how to handle cars. I've met a few of those. And, but those who were talented at it or did it for a living, they gave their time back to the Lord to, to bless other people. That's a wonderful idea. That's a great thing to do. That's using your talent to honor the Lord. And that was a talent. If you know nothing about auto repair and people know things about auto repair, they're geniuses. You appreciate them so much. Uh, that's a great thing. They're serving the Lord with their talent. So uh, number four here, and I fill in the blank, is so serving with our talents is living a life of worship. I need to get that. There's a true story. I don't really remember the details. It probably goes back to early 1800s. There was this particular church, and there was this deacon in the church. And uh, in those days, or a lot of churches do, the deacons they have are appointed by the congregation. They vote, and they say, we honor this man or this woman to serve. We want them to be a deacon in our church. So this man was a deacon. We'll call him Deacon Smith. I have no idea what his name was. And um, Deacon Smith was kind of like feeling bad about himself. He figured, I don't have any talents. I don't do anything. I, I, I'm not good at, at preaching the Word of God. I'm not a good Bible teacher. I don't really know much about anything. So he really was amazed that they would have him. He obviously had great Christian character. But they were amazed that they had him be a deacon in that church. It was a big deal. And he just uh, didn't know what to do. He was seeking the Lord. And he came to a conclusion, you know, I got a plate at my table. I got a space at my table. Now, you got to understand something. In those days after church, you don't go to the local place and go have something to eat. There were no local places. If you didn't prepare for food that day, you didn't eat. So there was no place to go. And in those days, your main meal was at midday because they had no refrigeration. So uh, evenings were leftovers. Your main meal was eaten at, at midday. So he said, you know, after church, I could invite someone to my table. So every Sunday, if he saw new people at church or someone that he didn't know, he said, would you like to come to my home after church and have a meal with us? Well, you wouldn't say no because, great, well, where do I eat if I don't? Oh, wonderful, thank you. Anyway, that's what, that was his habit for years and years and years and years and years. He felt that was a talent he had that he could serve and bless someone. Well, Obviously, he, he goes home to be with the Lord. Many, many decades have gone by. At his funeral, the uh, place was packed. There was standing room only, uh, and that was even filled. And the pastor there was not the original pastor from the church. That gentleman had gone home to be with the Lord. So this was either the second or the third pastor for that church. He probably wasn't even alive when the, this man was first appointed as a deacon. And, um, but he knew better. He said, uh, let me ask you a question. How many people here had a meal at Deacon Smith's table, where nearly the whole place put their hand up. They put their hands down. Let me ask you another question. How many people met Christ as their Savior at Deacon Smith's table? About half the room. The guy who had no talent at all shared Christ, people got saved, and he blessed people. I would say he was the most talented man in that church. How about that? That's, that's a true story. And I'm sure he's not the only one that's ever done that. That's an amazing thing. He who had no talent had the most talent to bless someone with. Wow. So we have to think beyond just the arts here. Uh, God has gifted us. We just have to realize this. We'll have a sermon on that somewhere, I think, in November. Uh, God has gifted us, and we need to grab that. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. Have you discovered your gifting is the question. What is your talents in your life? Uh, you should surrender them back to Christ and live a life of worship as those who uh, have giftings uh, to bless the body of Christ, because you do. 
Uh, let's look at the third one here that we have, which is treasure. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age, let's stop there. We tend to think this is the wealthiest of people who have uh, money, so it just flows out of their pockets. Uh, not really true. When you look at uh, the globe that we have, six to eight billion people, whatever it is, I've heard six, I've heard eight. Um, I don't remember the exact percentage, but if you have money in your pocket or money in the bank, you're in the top 4% of the wealthiest people on the planet. That's staggering. That's staggering, considering people wonder each day how they're going to eat across the planet. We're talking here. If you have money in your pocket or money in the bank, you are in the top 4% of the wealthiest people in the world. Wow. So, hey, this speaks of Americans. This is us. We're the ones who are rich in this present age. Wow. You may not have viewed yourself like that, but you really are when you consider the global community out there. You really are. We have so much to be grateful and thankful for. And Paul is saying here to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present age. Yeah, you go talking to Americans like that. I'll tell you what you can do to yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly every, all things to enjoy. Let them do good and be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for time to come. May they lay a hold on the, uh, and hold, may a hold on eternal life. Wow, this is amazing. So our time and our talent are used as our worship life. And now we come to see here, and you're filling the blank here, verse 5, or verse 5, number 5. How we use our treasure is how I worship the Lord. How I use my treasure is how I worship the Lord. Anybody read any uh, Dr. Andrew Murray? I, you always find people who have. Yeah, great books to read if you have not. B wonderful man of God, 1800s. Uh, Dr. Uh, Murray once wrote, men ask, what do you have? God asks, what do you do with what you have? I like that. I never forgot that when I had read that. God asks, what do we do with what we have? The giving of our finances represent our lifeblood. I mean, uh, we had to work very hard at times to earn those finances, and we're pouring that back to the Lord. When we give our finances, we give our lives back to the Lord in worship. So the giving of our finances is a worship unto Him. We really need to always realize that. The world will not tell you this. They will discourage you from giving to the gospel because they walk in darkness. In the giving of our finances, it's our lifestyle, and we worship the Lord with our lifestyle. Of, of giving. So I, I've always encouraged people, when you put money in a basket that goes by, say something. Lord, I worship you with this. You would be 100% correct. Lord, I worship you. That should be our attitude. I am doing a worship unto the Lord. I'm giving my life back to Him. And one day we'll give an account of how we have worshiped the Lord for what we have obtained. So did you know the giving of your finances and your treasures is a worship unto the Lord? And truly, you know, we need to fight off selfishness and fear, which when it comes to giving. Uh, medical science has found the longest nerve in the human body goes from your heart to your wallet. For some, that's nerve is longer than others. Yes. God does not bless the stingy. He blesses the giver. Not the amount of the gift, the giver with the heart of giving. So you got one group of people that are so selfish, 
our Lord and our gospel uh, giving only gets tips instead uh, of a heart that should be devoted to an attitude of serving the Lord with our treasures to advance the kingdom of God. Another group of people, they're in such fear, uh, they will never let money out of their wallets at all. To both groups, Jesus' hands are reached out and he invites them to worship him with their treasures. That's very personal. No man can tell you what that is. It's personal. Did you ever consider the main reason of why we should get out of debt is so that we should be unhindered in our worship to the Lord with our giving? That should be our main reason. In a few months, you know, a new year's coming up, people will get a raise in pay at, at the job. If you do, does the Lord's church get a raise in pay? Here's a bold statement. I heard this somewhere, never forgot it. How you treat the Lord's church is how you treat Jesus. Can't see Jesus, but I can see the Lord's church. How about that? Never forgot that one. So we need to be a people who worship the Lord with our treasures. Because all I am, all I have as a, as a worship unto him, I give back. And, my, and giving of my finances need to show that. Uh, you know, we had a lady here one time. Uh, she's got home to be with the Lord. We didn't know her very well. She attended faithfully. Her, I, th I think her name was Irene, and she had an accent, so she didn't talk a lot. I think it was a French accent. I'm not sure. Uh, we didn't know much about her, and we didn't see her very often. At one time, so, well, what happened to her? What happened to her? Well, we got a letter from an attorney that said she had passed away. She had no family, and she left her entire estate to the church. I said, "Wow, that wasn't a massive amount of money, but wow." She left her entire estate to the church. What was she saying in her final statement, leaving this world? Lord, I worship you. She didn't give it to cats and dogs. Now, if you like cats and dogs, don't throw rocks at me. She didn't give it to cats and dogs. She gave it to, I actually knew somebody, gave a large sum of their inheritance to cats and dogs. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, when people's souls have eternity. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was her last words, really, if you think about it, leaving this world. I worship you, Lord. She left her entire state to the work, to work in the church. I think the church ended up giving away most of the money she gave us into missions. If she wanted to worship the Lord with her finances, let's promote the kingdom of God beyond these walls. I think that's what the church ended up doing with most of the money, giving into missions. Praise the Lord. So, uh, you know, as we close today with this, um, so a worship for us as believers is what we do with our bodies. And our worship should be how we live our lives. And how we live our lives as worshipers has to do with what do we do with our time, our talent, our treasure. It's something to really strongly consider. The days we live in will always try to hinder our worship. They'll always come at us and hinder us. We must choose to be worshipers regardless of the day we live in. We must choose uh, to live a lifestyle of worship. And... Um, when we say we're worshipers, you know, considering how we use our time, talent, and treasure, will our lifestyle reflect that we're worshipers? If you or I were put on trial for being a worshiper, would we be found guilty? Would there be enough evidence to convict us of being found guilty? Wow, it tells us so much. We live a life as worshipers because Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, Philip's translation Make the most of your time despite all the difficulties of these days. Despite the difficulties and challenges of these days, we make the most of our time despite 
the difficulty of the days we live in. I don't care how dark they get, I will live as a worshiper. Let's pray here. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you would invite us to worship you with our time, our talent, our treasures. You receive us as worshipers. And Father God, we know you give back to the worshiper, Lord God, so far more than we could ever give you. We know, Lord God, it's not a matter of works or buying you for favor. We just live out the nature of a worshiper that we now have in us because we have the nature uh, that the Father God has placed in us to love the Lord our God. So, Father God, receive our worship, receive our love, Father God, that we would grow in, Lord, this worship, in the use of our time, in the use of the talents you've given us, in the treasures, Father, that we would recognize, Father, we live for the praise of your glory, that this is truly why we, we live this side of heaven. And we thank you for this, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would meet us with more revelation on this from Holy Spirit in these days ahead. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.